0: Yeah. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the 4th and Forever podcast. My name is Stuart Bothwell, his name is Darren Butter, and that was the divisional playoff round of the NFL playoffs. I just said playoff twice, totally unnecessarily. But um, I'm not going back and editing any of this. I've got better things to do. So, how's it going, Dan? That's good. How are you? I'm well. I'm well, especially after watching some some pretty good uh, playoff games and uh, also the Vikings played. Um, so yeah, I'm. I'm I'm feeling good. I'm sorted out for another couple of days off. I'm heading up to Auckland tomorrow morning to catch up with my parents, who should be arriving in. And uh, then we're going to go up to Northland and hit the beaches, catch up with some friends up there. And um, I'm sure we'll sample a few few beverages while we're at it as well. So I'm, I'm in a very positive mood
1: tonight. Nice. But if your dad's here, then who's actually listening to this podcast? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, in,
0: in saying that, I'm sure he will. He will. Okay, just the first thing he downloads <laughs> when he gets off the plane, actually. So yeah, he'll be fine. Um, we uh, may may well also be able to hook ourselves a, a surprise special guest. Well, he's not much of a surprise now that you just mentioned him. But um, who knows? Might be able to get dad in one of the one of the podcasts. Maybe not next week, but perhaps the week after. Um, we'll just see. We'll, we'll we'll ask him. We'll try and wrangle him in.
1: I'm sure, he'll he'd love to do it mm-hmm. angling for my job. You yeah. better, yeah. <laughs> right, so, um, I guess let's just uh,
0: jump right into it then, shall we? Um, so there were four games this weekend the Minnesota Vikings uh went down to the San Francisco 49ers, the Tennessee Titans uh went to the Baltimore Ravens, the Houston Texans went to the Kansas City Chiefs, and then things were rounded off with the Seattle Seahawks versus the Green Bay Packers. Uh, So of these ones, which one do you want to talk about first, man? Um,
1: Let's get it out the way, the Minnesota Vikings and the 49ers.
0: (laughs) Yes, let's do that. So the Minnesota Vikings uh, came out pretty hot in this game with a a 41-yard touchdown pass from uh, Kirk Cousins straight over to uh, Stephon Diggs. But then after that, there was really nothing happening um, for them. They, they just completely stuttered. Uh, they tried to run the ball on the ground, got nowhere. They tried to pass it through the air, got nowhere. Um, after that Stefan Diggs catch, uh, Kirk Cousins uh, only ended up throwing for another 130 yards, I think it was. And and an interception. Dalvin Cook only ran for eighteen yards through the whole game. San Francisco were just dominant. Um the like the the rushing game was really top notch. The the defense was, was coming up big and just not giving Minnesota anything at all. Uh Jimmy G was hardly perfect himself. Um he was looking pretty good when he was actually being called upon, apart from when he had to throw across the middle. But um yeah San Francisco roll on twenty seven ten victors in this one. Um, what did you see in this one there?
1: Well, I thought that the um, the Vikings, it just had that feel that it, it wasn't going to be their day. You know, um, you see, feeling all wrapped up in the ankle because of some silly injury, and then, um, it just I don't know. It just didn't feel like they were going to win that game. It um, just kept trying the, to the same thing know over the and score over of this one. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they I don't know, there was a couple of funny moments in it, like I thought that Joey Bosa targeted their right tackle. I thought that was a very dirty play and that knocked him out of the game and they didn't really seem to be able to run after that. And yeah, they just couldn't come back. It was only it was really close at half time. Like not necessarily on the stat sheet but on the score sheet mm-hmm. and the 49ers just end up being able to get six yards here, five yards there, seven yards just keep themselves on the field, wind, wind down the clock and then Tevin Coleman gets the break of a couple of very good blocks and gets into the end zone to make it 24-10 and I think that was it
0: yeah, effectively yeah um... There, there was a, the one field goal to round things out, but um, like San Francisco looked pretty hot to start with as well, with a, a fantastic Jimmy G Kendrick Bourne uh, touchdown and uh, a few other like reasonable plays here and there. But it, it was nothing spectacular, but it didn't need to be from Jimmy G when it, the running game was just working so so well. Um, Tevin Coleman had 22 carries for 105 and 2 scores Raheem Mostert had 12 for 58 uh, Matt Breda came in in garbage time and fumbled but didn't matter um, Whereas when you compare that to the Vikings trying to make Dalvin Cook a thing but it just wasn't going to be a thing uh, 9 carries for 18 yards So it, it just They just kept slamming and running into a brick wall DeForest Buckner, Joey Bosa, sorry, Nick Bosa. Oh, it's probably the first time I've made that mistake. And uh, and D Ford, they were just uh, lights out in this game. They were fantastic. Um, and like, you, you've got to think that just from top to bottom, San Francisco are just a, a better team. Minnesota just looked like they had only one thing that they ever had any intention of doing, and they just couldn't switch away from it.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I did find it interesting that like, they didn't even need to put. Um, <clears throat> they've not needed to put Solomon Thomas on the field. For the whole for the playoffs, he didn't, yeah, he didn't, even, he didn't even make it dressed. So it's just such a, it's a deep, deep defense, and people have been saying, oh, they maybe underperformed or they were you know first start of season hype, but they've had a really difficult schedule. Um, in the di- most difficult division in football and they've been in close games and this feels like the first time in about eight weeks that they've been able to kind of run the clock down and it, and it comes in the playoffs so so it's I guess it's kind of a reward for getting through your own division that the divisional game is against the NFC North team mm-hmm. but it could have been against the Saints. Uh, okay. It seems to have broken 49ers' way in this, in the playoffs, and they've taken advantage here, and they move on.
0: Yeah, just a just a very solid performance from San Francisco. They managed to really, really stuff uh, Minnesota. Um, in the second half, the Vikings didn't even get a first down until about the last five minutes of the fourth quarter. So that just really, really asserts dominance at that point. Um, yeah, I think um, Kirk Cousins would have answered a few questions uh, in the previous week um, with that massive win, but um, maybe people are asking questions again. And uh, I think other questions I, I that are be, being... I... <laughs> yeah, I I think it's unfair I, to, to put this... that all on Cousins.
1: This offense is predicated on establishing the run, however real that is to the analytics, Um, but they definitely, they run first, and spread out, and let Cousins deal, when he has to, and, um, you know, they didn't have their right tackle, for probably about 80% of this game, they couldn't establish the run, and you're asking, you know, Cousins to throw against, one of the best secondaries, in football, from like third and nine, and third and ten, and third and 14, it's, it's not, a lot of quarterbacks would struggle in that. And I feel it's unfortunate because the interception right at the start of the game or near the start of the game, you can clearly tell that feeling isn't on the same page yeah. and turns the wrong way. And there's yeah. Sherman to pick it off. And one thing I thought was amazing is that they've got Sherman's PFF ranking for cornerbacks as number one. Yeah, he's been, which is excellent. I was surprised, but he's been amazing. And people have been saying, "Oh, well, you're, you know, you're earning eight million less a year than you could have been because you did your own deal." And it's like, when he did his own deal, he had a torn Achilles. So, I think he did quite yeah. well to get a multi-year offer, and he's done quite well to be on this team. And, and he also wrote up a whole bunch I of incentives,
0: he's... which he has met. So, so therefore, he's actually done pretty well out of it.
1: Yeah. So. Mm. Um, Surprised they threw anywhere near him, but you know, if he's he was following feeling around the field, so you know, the the defensive line stopping the run, Sherman stopping feeling, it's Stiggs and Cousins against the world, and it, it didn't work, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, unfortunately for for Kirk Cousins, it did not work out that way, but um, I mean, the, the, the San Francisco 49ers really showed their strength in this one, um, even when. Uh, there was some some problems happening uh, for Akela Weatherspoon who got beat deep by Stephon Diggs. They ended up just subbing him out and someone else went back in. Um, uh, it might have been Kwon Williams and just um, it, was, it was it was fine. Just sort of patched him up at that point. Uh, and the Vikings just never really hit their stride after that. Um, and yeah, Forty Nines just ran away with it. It just speaks for a, a lot yeah, of depth it- for that side.
1: And, you know, Chris Collinsworth at the start of the game was like, oh, well, we didn't think Werther Spoon was going to play today. And then he gets beat and they sub him out straight away. And it's like, well, if it had been Moseley the whole time, then this could have been a 27-0 <laughs> kind <Yeah>. of game. Because <laughs> they took advantage of the matchup one time for like 50 yards, I think it was, and they got nothing else in like the whole game. So, Yeah. Yeah. So a uh, bit I of struggle the- for the Vikings, but... yeah you know, 10 and 6 in the playoff
0: win yeah it's That's it's not it's more. not bad but um i think it, it, there will still be questions asked on whether this is the the right team to be so the, the right um uh management team coaching team to be taking this team forward um obviously they will be without uh, offensive coordinator kevin stefanski uh, who has just been made the head coach of the cleveland browns which is um very interesting especially considering he was up against his uh Counterpart for the job, uh, Robert Sala, who was the San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator. Um, But of course, you can't just (laughs) say like, oh, well, Robert Sala won this game, so therefore he would be the better option. That's not how these things work. But um, Stefanski, I I mean, he he does okay, but I don't quite see what it is that makes him as hot a commodity as he's been for the last little while. But um, still, good luck to him in Cleveland, I guess.
1: Yeah, it's. Um, I I don't really have anything to add on the Browns just now. <laughs> no, we'll we'll talk about I, that um, one
0: in another another podcast I think.
1: Yeah, but he he didn't really seem to drop anything really interesting in this game, and I guess it was all very one dimensional, you know. Yeah, it was a bit. Wasn't it? Wasn't.
0: I mean I think um, and
1: cook and they can open it up any other way.
0: Yeah. I mean I think it'll it'll be handy that you'll have someone like Nick Chubb uh, in the backfield there. So uh it's not as if they'll be getting too much of a downgrade in the running back department when he moves over there, but um yeah, I'm keen to see what happens. Anyway, um I think we should maybe move on from that game, which the San Francisco 49ers ran out 27-10 victors and they move on to the NFC Championship game. Um yes. Shall we talk about who they'll be facing in the NFC Championship game next?
1: Yes, let's do that. Okay,
0: let's do that. So the Seattle Seahawks travelled to Lambeau Field and fell behind very quickly to the Green Bay Packers. But um, in the third and fourth quarters, it was all Seattle as they were raging on the comeback trail. But Aaron Rodgers managed to pull out his magic in the final moments uh, to just make sure that the Seattle Seahawks ran out of clock effectively. Now Rodgers was um, like spectacular in this one. Really, he was was very good early on, in particular, um, and then like had a bit of a down patch, and then when it actually mattered again, he came up on top and uh, just pulled out some incredible throws, including uh, a, essentially a game winner to Devante Adams, and uh, then one which was originally questionable um, whether or not Jimmy Graham got this first down to seal the game and run out the clock but um, that was just on the unofficial marker that it looked like he was short when you see the official mark he was probably just on it there was certainly not enough to overturn what happened and um, yeah um, Seahawks to my mind are rightfully out of this competition now because it's just been Russell Wilson carrying a team of injured players and um, and just just having you know Marshawn Lynch around to run for two yards a carry, and eventually getting when he's close enough to the the end zone. Um. Yep. Yeah, this one was just all Russell Wilson from their side.
1: Yeah, the Seahawks kind of remind me of a you know a Arizona Carson Palmer Arizona Cardinals kind of team where they're not great, but when the quarterback's playing, they're suddenly nine and one. And then the quarterback gets injured, and they lose every other game of the season. Um, The Seahawks just don't seem to have much other than a really good quarterback making plays. And I think this is where people have underestimated the Packers. They've said, "Oh, you know, it's um, it's not jumping off the page. They're middle middling at best. You know, their stats don't jump out from the defense or the offense." But it's like this is the playoffs. And they are very balanced. And maybe in the playoffs, that's what you need, a bit of balance so that you know you've got backups that can come in. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like they, they didn't have Bulaga. He had like a, a flu or something, but they were able to bring Jarrett Valdir in. That's, that's depth. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, not bad. On the offensive line, that's yeah, that's what you're looking for. And I know that they signed Valdir Half halfway through the year because he was injured. But these are the moves you make that win you Super Bowls. Because if they were playing a rookie right tackle, maybe you know Clowney would have got through a few more times. But they've been able to make some roster moves. They've got a good, two good lines. They've got a great quarterback, and they've got a great running back, and mm, a great yeah, wide receiver. Yeah, Jones so.
0: uh, ran for another two scores in this one. Uh, 21 carries for 62 yards. Isn't spectacular, but he scored when he needed to. Uh, t- Tyler Irvin just kind of came out of nowhere in this one for um, for some some rather epic results. Uh, but when you look at their wide receiving core, what did they do in this game? Geronimo Allison, one catch for 11. Uh, Marcus Valdez-Scantling, one catch for eight. Uh, then Jay, uh, Jay Sternberger, one catch for two. Like any wide receiver not named Devante Adams had one catch or less. Uh, but, but Adams managed to really pick it up for everyone else and went for uh, eight, 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 eight catches, 160 yards, two scores. And uh, the like the game-sealing uh, reception that he had, which was just a, a pinpoint pass from Rodgers, floated over the top of the defender right into the bucket um, for about, I think it was a 25-yard catch it was. Uh, for the first down, was was a thing of beauty, and that that is the sort of thing that you uh, like. If you're a Green Bay Packers fan, you ha- just hang your hat on and say it doesn't matter how we've been playing in the past. We've got Aaron Rodgers. This
1: is playoff Aaron Rodgers. He can make all the throws. Yeah, he's um his touchdown throw to Devonte Ad- uh, Devonte Adams was great as well. It was like he. Fooled the whole field with his eyes and then somehow turned, suddenly turned his shoulders back and threw left. And Devontae's completely open because everyone started to move to the right because he hasn't taken his eyes off the right hand side of the field for like two seconds. And somehow he still manages to find Devontae on an outcut. And, you know, it's, it's a 50 yard touchdown. Yeah, yeah, there's probably iced the game to a point. I think that got them quite, quite far along. Yeah, it was. Um, that was to make it 28-10 mm. but like the, the packers were
0: were very far ahead in this game um they were they were up 21-3 at the half and um, just really like they, they seemed to take their foot off the gas um maybe it's because Russell Wilson had his back to the wall and, uh, and and just felt like right okay now i've got to really start doing some crazy stuff so he ended up um running the ball a lot he had some like fantastic runs for first downs um and Taylor Lockett had a had another good game nine receptions for one hundred and thirty six yards and a and a touch, and DK Metcalf was good. Jacob Hollister came up a like a big a couple of times, but um th- there was a few drops here and there as well, um and just silly penalties. But I don't know. It just seemed like they weren't really executing and like. But when when it mattered, they came back. They they forced the issue. And gave the Packers a real scare. Um, which again says to me that like the Packers are still like quite weak in some places, and that defence is uh is far from solid these days.
1: Yeah, I I agree in part, so I also think that sometimes you just can't stop Russell Wilson, you know. And that's he wanted fair. to come back into the game and he, he managed to get his team within striking distance. But he does that against everyone, so I'm not too worried Why? about the Packers yeah. on because Wilson's been able to do that because he did it to the Forty ers and the Rams and pretty much everyone he's played this year. He's been able to kind of pull off that kind of that last few drives. The yeah. problem is the Seahawks have had a habit of digging holes or getting dug into holes in games and having to fight back. in, in the playoffs, it's at Lambeau when it's whatever the Fox were saying, twenty degrees out or they wouldn't shut up about the weather. Mm, yeah. Um, they, they love doing that in it Lambeau. it's difficult. It's difficult to come back. Um I just it wasn't their year. I I also thought that Clowney was a little bit of a, a liability in this game. I don't know if it was that the um refs were focused more on him after last week or the he was he was being penalized up, a lot, but there,
0: yeah,
1: there was a few plays where it looked like either he was losing his head, or the refs were just paying far more attention than normal to him. He he gave up like a fifteen yard penalty in like the first play of the game. It was like a he like grabbed Keru's like mask and threw him to the floor. It's was like cool. Yeah, you can't be, can't be doing
0: that. That's what we want to see.
1: Yeah, and it was. So, uh,
0: I think well, after that, he just. He's playing angry, but not the right kind of angry, perhaps. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, Someone else who um, like can often be said could play play angry or certainly play with a chip on his shoulder is Marshawn Lynch. Um, the one-two punch, if you'll have it that way, of Marshawn Lynch and Travis Homer has not really worked in this playoffs, as I think they have no. run the Joe ball Buckley. for about 58 times for I think it was about 68 yards. It's been woeful. Um, whether that was entirely down to the offensive line remains to be seen, but you know, Marshawn Lynch is not what Marshawn Lynch used to be. He's, he should just remain retired, really.
1: Yeah, there was a, a couple of moments um, in that one. There was a moment where Joe Buck had been um, talking up Marshawn for about 20 seconds, and... They come out, and I think it was like a, a third and three or a third and two, and he's like, oh, Marshawn's coming to get it, and he went backwards. Yeah. And it was like really easily backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he, he also here missed here on a
0: really e- easy, uh, third, oh, so a really blatant pass block on the two-point conversion attempt, where Russell Wilson just ended up getting knifed down within about a second of the ball being snapped it was like oh oh well, yeah I was supposed to do something there not ideal
1: yeah you can you can see it here this is the one I'm thinking of it was like the
0: um, I remember we were on a podcast Iron.
1: play in the yeah it's the no it's not I'm just reading it it was the play in the second half and it's um, pretty much this is the in spread it's a one yard run you know Marshall Lynch to the 42, tackled by Goodson, then a run for no gain. <laughs> right guard to the 42, Kenny Clark. And it's like. You could pretty much two just chances put that like, on Luke. A, one, yeah, a and... one yard run. <laughs> and he didn't do it, and he had to punt. But this is also the thing as well. They were down at that point. They were down by four, 14, and they. And they punted on fourth and one from the 48. Mhm. And it's it's just little things like that that they um they didn't seem to trust themselves and it's probably because of their running game. But yeah. there's a couple of times in this one they kind of shot themselves in the foot. Yeah. Uh, do you think they should have gone for it on fourth and 11? Well, in on fourth and 11 uh, what, what
0: later in the game at the end. Yeah. Um I mean fourth and 11 is Difficult to to justify, but when you have Russell Wilson back there, who you know eats fourth and elevens for breakfast, um, like in the position you're in, maybe just just go for it. Just have have the stones to give it a go. Um, especially when you're in Lambeau Field and you've got a limited limited amount of time left, you just got to got to go for it. But it, like, maybe they were just scared because you had uh, the the Smith brothers, Darius and Preston. Breathing down Russell Wilson's neck, pretty much as soon as he snapped the ball, they both got two sacks each in this game, uh, as well as one for Kenny Clark. Um. Yeah, I don't know. It was um, like I, I, I would have gone for it in these circumstances, but I can understand why they didn't go for it.
1: Yeah, but then it was even more penalized because Michael Dixon couldn't keep the punt out the end zone, which um was a penalty which put put yardage up for um, the Packers, gave him an opportunity to see out the game. And it's just he'll be kicking himself as an AFL boy that so he couldn't make that kick. Yeah, you know, sixty four yards to put it somewhere and he puts it in the end zone.
0: Yeah, he couldn't cough and corner um, it ends up uh, getting them back out to the, the, the twenty and away they go. Yeah. Give
1: give because you think you've been able to drop it in the in the ten, maybe that changes Rogers' mindset. Mm-hmm. They run it a couple of times. You're able to see it out. You give time space for Rogers to drop back and make some plays, and you know, that's what they'll do. And see out the game. See out the last two minutes, and they yeah, never got the ball
0: back. Yeah, so that that, that final drive was uh, nine plays and forty two yards, which managed to uh, keep the ball away from the the Seahawks. And it, it was it was really made on that um, third and eight the Green Bay 22 where Rogers hits uh, Devontae Adams for 32 yards and takes it in Seahawks territory and um, yeah, it was it was absolutely a thing of beauty and uh, like I said like before, uh, Jimmy Graham just shows up um, like for once, uh, looking incredibly slow and lumbering, but he does enough. To paint himself into the history books in Green Bay as the one who really helped fully, officially seal that win for Green Bay against the Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks bow out after an interesting season, but they probably didn't deserve to be there. Um the the Packers uh, they're just rolling on and they move on to the the championship game where they'll meet the San Francisco 49ers.
1: Yeah, which we'll we'll talk about soon, no doubt.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Moving on um, from from that game which was uh, quite close uh, and I suppose it was almost predictable I guess people expected that to happen. Um, People certainly expected San Francisco to beat the Vikings but um, very few people would have predicted what happened in Baltimore as the Baltimore Ravens were absolutely stunned by the Tennessee Titans who have just been rolling over everyone over the last uh, like four or five weeks or even back to week seven if you want to wanna put it down to the Ryan Tannehill switch uh, coming out 28 to 12 victors in this one and um, like they just like s- hit them smash and grab early on um, with a f- fantastic Johnny Smith catch for, for a touchdown one of the best you'll see all year where he comes down and just gets one butt cheek in bounds, which counts for two feet, apparently. Uh, And and Derek Henry just continued to run all over them. And uh, when Tennessee gets out to a lead, you know fine well what it is that they're going to do, and that's run Henry. And just over the last three weeks, no one has been able to stop him. So in this one, he had nearly 200 yards rushing. It was 30 carries for 195 yards and just Absolutely demolished them. Uh, after all, Thomas came out and um, said that, "Oh well, you know we're we're a tougher team. We've got a different mentality. We're going to be tackling Derrick Henry straight on." And then you see him trying to make a tackle, and Derrick Henry, who not only stiff arms him, but manages to spin him around and push him in the back for another fifteen yards. This was a really controlled performance from the Titans, and uh, the Ravens just. Nothing ever seemed to fall their way. Um, they, they they tried and tried and tried, but on like when they get themselves close, they would find themselves in fourth down territory, and the, you know the numbers say go for it. They went for it. They didn't get it, and that just seemed to happen every single drive for them. Uh, if it weren't for that, then it's an interception or a fumble,
1: just not going their way. Yeah, um, I read that Derek Henry's stat line. Over well, the last three games, the only other player that's historically come close to it in three games in a row was uh, Riggins.
0: Yeah, John Riggins <laughs> of the
1: Washington Redskins. That's pretty not, good company not, to be keeping. Not many people have, um, have I think it was what, over 150 yards in three straight games mm-hmm. in the playoffs. And
0: he's done it um, comfortably. I think, uh, I think he's been over 180 yeah. yards for, <laughs> for three straight games. Three straight games or four straight games, he's done that. It's... Unheard of. It's
1: like The only other player to do it was um, John Riggins, but they mm-hmm. hit some unprecedented what he's been able to do. But it seems inevitable. Is the the offs of um of the NFL at the moment? <laughs> Everyone seems to be terrified of him. They don't seem to be able to stop him. He's, yeah, he's
0: he's snapping his fingers and just um, making people not exist and just continuing to run as far as he wants, basically.
1: Yeah, you know Ryan Ryan Tannehill's been able to to keep the ball moving. He had a couple of really good throws to get first downs when he was needed. And in the end that's all that's all you can ask of him in, in this situation. He's coming halfway through the year. He's just yeah. keeping the ball moving. Throwing in the end zone, which, you know, obviously the Ravens haven't been able to do in this one. I think they had the most um the most possessions and yards a playoff team has ever had. For the lowest point scored or something, it's it, what they've done done on their stats in this game is absolutely ridiculous, and they've not been able to win it. And it's it was it's incredible, one, as you said, it's an analytical anomaly. It's why you can't rely on numbers to tell to offer football. Yeah, if you were to look um, at the numbers, there is a bit of, you know,
0: yeah. Lamar Jackson set career highs in completions at thirty-one, attempts at fifty-nine, yards at three hundred and sixty-five. Uh, I'm not sure if it was a career high but um, he also ran for 143 yards um but he had two interceptions to, to one touchdown and um you know there's there a couple of key drops here and there but like, like i say it was like they were be able to get the yards and get themselves close enough to say well yeah we can we can go for this we tend to get this uh, uh like seven times out of eight and they were stopped on at least two key fourth down conversions. Uh, by a, by a Titans defense that just really, really wanted it in this one. Um, they just were were, were all over them. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons had a fantastic game where he, um, effectively, like fully just stripped the ball away from someone who totally wasn't expecting it at the time. Um, and uh, yeah, it just looked um like a, a real comfortable performance from them like people were having a go at um, Ryan Tannehill's stats saying like this guy isn't a playoff quarterback but that he did exactly what he needed to do he threw for two touchdowns he only threw for 88 yards but when Derek Henry is running over teams and you're controlling the clock and you're well ahead you don't need your quarterback to be throwing you think Tannehill's bothered about his stats not one iota he's just happy to get himself a win and get to his first day ever first ever AFC championship
1: and in the end, the Titans are just... They seem to be, for the way they're playing, just really strong in the right positions. You know, they've got A.J. Brown um, at wide receiver, Henry, obviously, Tannehill's doing what he needs to do, but then you've got you know, Kevin Byard, who, to me, is probably the best safety in the league. Agreed. And, you know, they get Adoree Jackson back for the last three games, and Kenny Vicaro's playing out of his skin, and it just it's all adding up to a team that is controlling the game. You know, all the positions they're strong at are the positions that Mike Vrabel needs them to be to hold on to a game, you know.
0: Mm. The
1: difference having someone like Kevin Byard able to stuff a six-yard run into a four-yard run or, you know, stop people getting first down on second down and make them play the way that the Titans want them to play. Mm-hmm. Which is rushing, trying to get points because they know they don't have much time. If they give it up, the Titans are going to hold the ball for six minutes and wind some clock down, and they're going to run all over you. So you've got to make something happen, you know. Lamar threw the ball far too many times in this game.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Never but I mean, like it it it, did, it didn't help
1: throwing the ball fifty nine times.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think it was uh, very telling that uh, Mark Ingram was injured for a lot of this game. And uh, they they really missed him a lot, but um, by the time that you start falling behind and you need to start making plays, it ended up all going on Lamar's shoulders. And in some cases, he was, um, he, was he was he was decent. He was putting up yards on chunk plays, but um, he was missing some of these other throws. It wasn't always pinpoint. There were some drops here and there. He, he did he did throw a couple of absolute dimes, including one to Marquise Brown to to put the Ravens uh, within touching distance of a touchdown at the very end of the uh, the second quarter, only to be held out of the end zone and essentially forced to take the field goal. Now, when when like just before they were made to take the field goal, um, like Lamar Jackson drops back to pass, runs around for ages. Runs all this time off the clock, which effectively takes one or two more plays off of the table and forces them to take the field goal. Maybe this is just something that you have to learn from, that under certain circumstances, dancing around is not the way to go, and you just have to throw that, that short slant across the middle, or or that fade route, or something like that. You've got to do something a little bit different. Um, yeah, it's just clock management from a, a team that's usually pretty good at that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, they, they they just kept making these little mistakes, fumbles, uh, players just not quite producing when it really mattered. They would produce all the way until the point when it mattered, and then turnovers.
1: Yeah, I I do wonder if um you told, without telling everything anything else, tell Lamar Jackson he would have had 508 all-purpose yards in this one. Would he have taken it? There and then, he probably would have. It's absolutely
0: um, insane, those numbers.
1: <laughs> I don't know. They went up and he went up and down the field five times and they only scored 12 points on his own. Yeah, incredible how that's
0: managed to happen. Yeah, but it's um, just game management. I mean, it's making the, way the the
1: big plays. Yeah,
0: that 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 team, the Titans are built quite differently. I mean, we, we talk up the Ravens and how they're uh, a team that's built to run and they're unique in the way that they do things. But the Titans, when, when other teams are going for the, the pass-catching running backs and the little jinky guys and the Christian McCaffrey's of the world, uh, the Titans have just said, we're just going to get the biggest running back that we can get. It just so happens he's also pretty fast. If he gets up ahead of steam, you can't tackle him. And we're going to put him behind a, a strong offensive line like Taylor Luan, Roger Saffold and Quentin Spain and stuff like that and just say like, right, we're just going to just keep smashing you in the mouth. We're going to take all the time off the clock. Uh, just just try and beat us. And again, for the, the third or fourth week in a row, uh, a team has been absolutely without any sort of answer for Derek Henry.
1: Yeah. And we'll, we'll see next week if anyone can stop him as well.
0: Yeah, so next week they will be moving into the AFC Championship game. And uh, a friend of the show and uh, a frequent listener, I think he's a frequent listener, I hope so, Neil. Neil Shepard uh, got in touch to say that had you told him this time last year that Ryan Tannehill would be playing in an AFC Championship game... Well he certainly wouldn't have believed it, let's just put it that way and I think that's a pretty fair assumption to make but um, he's just found himself in a fantastic situation in Tennessee and uh, he has been the one to change that franchise um, because they just weren't really going where they needed to go with Mariota and uh, I couldn't be more happy for Tannehill and this is is an exciting team to watch and I'm really excited to see what they do in the championship game against the team that we're going to talk about next.
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: Okay. Right, so, uh, and then the final game was, so the final game that we'll talk about in this one was the Houston Texans going to Kansas City, Missouri and coming out, uh, I'll coming out of the gates real hot uh, on the back of um, a a blocked punt and a a big pass for a touchdown to Kenny Stills and then a, a muffed punt uh, return from Terry Kill which allowed the the Chiefs to go up twenty one nothing in the first quarter. And I I turned on uh, when it was twenty four to seven in favor of Houston. And I was showing this to some of my other NFL watching pals around the office, who were just absolutely flabbergasted by what was going on. And uh, then we were proceeded we proceeded to be flabbergasted by the then response from the Kansas City Chiefs, which was to score four touchdowns in ten minutes and it was just this incredible onslaught the likes of which I've I've never seen before I don't think and between the start of the second quarter and the end of the fourth uh, the Kansas City Chiefs outscore the Texans 51 points to 7 that's just unreal sorry 51 points to 10 from the start of the second quarter sorry but yeah, that's just... It was absolute dominance once they got up ahead of Steam. And Patrick Mahomes just showed that he he can be unstoppable when he's on form.
1: Yeah, they if you were to sum up a playoff game that Andy Reid has playoffed, it, mm-hmm. and how people feel about Andy Reid in the playoffs, it was literally the first... 12 minutes of this game it was everything that could go wrong went wrong you know on all different types of facets of the game they they failed you know on offence they were dropping the ball and the, the punt team got a block and then the return team muffed a return and you know I think Mahomes had touched the ball like 7 times and they were like 14-0 down and yeah You just can't and, and I think Kelsey Something changed with Kelsey I hope they were doing some form of testing on him Because between <laughs> The mid-first quarter When he dropped I think three passes to him he dropped Yeah row, he was really
0: struggling And
1: then and he um, did go is, off with a hamstring Which is why string. they came off the field yeah. so quickly Yeah Yeah And then suddenly he Gets three touchdowns, I think. Does he have all three touchdowns? Three touchdowns in the end, Three oh, yeah. of the touchdowns in the second quarter. Mm-hmm. He he was on fire. He just seemed to find it, but I don't think you'll find much better than um, is, uh pass to Kelsey to make it, um, I think it was to make it 24-21. 20, it, was, it was just beautiful That's out of nice. the shotgun, you know. And he just stayed with it, stayed with it, and then he put it into the smallest window. And there was nothing... Kelsey didn't need to do anything other than just fall backwards. It was such a well-thrown ball. And, you know, I think... I knew that the game... I didn't know the score. I knew that it was closer than it appeared to be because I knew <laughs> people were talking about it. Um, but I didn't. I didn't see it coming. I thought... I, I wanted the Chiefs to win. I don't think that. I think the Texans are in kind of the same boat as the Seahawks here. I'm not really. Yeah, totally I think convinced. I'm with you on that. Yeah. I think if we'd had even like the. What was projected, maybe a halftime in these games where you know, it's Packers versus Vikings and then what the Chiefs, the Texans versus um the. The Titans, I just don't know. I just don't think it's a valid um, representation of how the season's gone and the teams that really should be there. And I'm really happy for the Chiefs that they've overcome that start and really in the end just shown that they're probably the favourites now. Yeah,
0: anyway. obviously, like despite the Chiefs being a Playoffs, division rival for three me, three quarters I'm, of I'm still. Game, yeah. I still feel that I'm I'm happy to see them where they are. I think they do deserve it. I think that Patrick Mahomes is just absolutely electrifying, and he makes this league so so fun. And um, when you see what he's capable of doing, I mean, like I'm just gonna go through the uh, Chiefs drives between the second quarter and the third quarter for you here. So um, two minutes.
1: Can we can we just <coughs> quickly give um, um, one of the the white boys some love? Um, he's one of. And I say that lovingly. It's him Mm -hmm. between David Sorensen of the Chiefs and the Joe Schulberts of the Browns and these preppy white boys that play linebacker and get themselves in the amongst. And Daniel Sorensen was was on fire for about six minutes. Mm -hmm. He, like, stopped a third-down conversion. He got got two turnovers in three. He just... He was all over the place, and I think he pretty much turned the game mm-hmm. as much as one player can affect a game that isn't a quarterback, he within about a six minute period he'd got two turnovers and a and stopped a fake punt. Oh well,
0: yeah, he, he did which is um, technically
1: a turnover as well
0: yeah he, he stopped the the Texans from being able to gain any sort of momentum when they really needed it to keep them keep the noses out in front. Um, yeah, absolutely agree. Daniel Soroson was fantastic. Not, not sure I agree with you bringing him up just because he's
1: white, but um, I, I think it's just no, uh, no. I, I bring up because he was fantastic. <laughs> but I'm just giving him some love. He's, yeah,
0: no, absolutely.
1: He's, he's yeah. one of those guys. They literally mentioned how well he was playing once. I think in the telecast, mm, he'll it's get. Like, come on, no, he's literally changed the game single-handedly. He'll totally get. I wouldn't say
0: single-handedly. Oh, yeah, as as- there was other people changing this game in this one. <laughs> including Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins. I think they'd all have something to say about that. But um, that, that, that the sequence between the second and third quarters where the Chiefs went uh, two plays, touchdown, three plays, touchdown, three plays, touchdown. Oh, then they had a gargantuan eight-play 75-yard uh, touchdown drive, seven plays for 85 yards touchdown, six plays for 53 yards touchdown, and four plays for 72 yards touchdown. They had seven straight touchdown drives, back-to-back. I I'm, I don't think, well, I'm not sure if it's ever been done before. It certainly hasn't been done. I think it was since the uh, Green Bay Packers in 2008, I think it was, that managed to get six straight, but I'm not even sure about the seven straight. It was just... I, I I'm just unstoppable. Literally, they, like the the Texans could do nothing to stop that.
1: Yeah, it just it was like a it was a real. Um, it just seemed to all align for the Chiefs. You know, they got a bit of fire under them, and and Lonnie Johnson has to come out for Kelsey because he's he, he pulls his calf, and then Kelsey's being marked by a rookie and. Mm -hmm. Then Mahomes comes back in, they get the touchdown straight straight away after Lonnie went out, touchdown. And then, you know, Sorensen does what he does and they go to Kelsey, to Kelsey until Lonnie Johnson comes back on the field and it's just, it was savage, it was brutal. You know, it was like someone coming up behind the Texans and just, you know, (laughs) stabbing them in the back and leaving (laughs) them to bleed. They just didn't seem to recover at all from it. No,
0: and um, like it, I think it has to be pointed out just how amazing this comeback was for for the Chiefs, uh, given that there were so many players on the sidelines who, at twenty four uh, seven down, had their had their heads in their hands and stuff. Apparently, like Sammy Watkins has come out and admitted that uh, at one point he was just on the sideline looking really glum, and then Travis Kelsey comes over, like taps him on the shoulder, and says, "Hey, sort that body language," and then. He's like, okay, yeah, cool, and it just sort of this mentality uh, that nothing is done and and over with. Um, especially you know with it being the Kansas City Chiefs, it was just a really great, strong, gritty performance um, from a team coached by one of the strongest, grittiest coaches of uh, the modern era in Andy Reid. He just has this team set up to believe that they're capable of coming from behind in any any circumstances. And um, they did so with some some serious gusto in this one. I, I I've never seen things swing so dramatically from one side to another.
1: Yeah, there was there was just even when they were down, you know, they they went to a quick play, where I think they wanted Sammy Watkins to throw it, and Mahomes was gonna block and then saw. <laughs> J.J. J Watt come in and just ran out the way, yeah. and Watkins goes down for the sack. And it's just you can tell that Mahomes must just be the best player to play with. You know, he's picking Watkins up with the biggest smile on his face, and he's just even though they're down, even though it's not been a great start, you know, it's just like come on man, we'll get them next time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know how he I knows feel. it. You better make those blocks, and it just it seems like. There was a couple of moments like that in the playoffs. There's one with um Valdir where Rodgers went down and you can hear on the mic he's like, "Oh no. Valdir went down from a rush and Rodgers goes to pick him up and you can hear him say, "You don't pick me up. I'm your you're my quarterback. I pick you up." <laughs> and he gets himself up <laughs> and gets back into line. It's like you can tell how much it means to these guys.
0: Yeah, yeah. To be there
1: and um yeah, the Chiefs—they deserve it. After last year, they deserve to be in exactly the same spot to me. I think if if Mahomes hadn't been injured, I think you'd be looking at a sixteen and no team with the way their their season was, the way their um, their schedule went. Yeah, um, I think I think that um, that bye week certainly helped them get to where it,
0: they needed to get to.
1: Yeah, and the the Ravens got uh, got Mahomes on a just off his injury and managed to pull a win, and then you know Matt Moore couldn't quite pull out a couple of them. I this to me, the the Chiefs and the Packers could easily have had fifteen and one records going in. So I think to me, I know that you were a bit on the other side of the Packers, but I think the right teams made it in that regard, and yeah. everyone else is kind of battled around and we've we've been left with what's gonna be some really good games. I just think that the, the Titans are a terrible matchup for the Chiefs.
0: Mm. And they're kind of polar opposites. Um, in, it's in gonna that, give
1: in that like the, the Titans are
0: this like power it down your throat running team and the Chiefs are this um like aerial circus going on. And um, like in this one I think the the running backs only had one rushing yard going into halftime as well. Um and But it didn't matter. Um, so much like it didn't matter that Ryan Tannehill only had 88 passing yards at the end of the game, it didn't matter because Derrick Henry had 200 yards rushing on the ground and they controlled the clock and everything else of that game. But on the flip side, you can you can try and do that to the Chiefs, but you've got Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Sammy Watkins, Tyreek Hill, Michael Hardman had some fantastic runbacks in this one. Uh, and and also the Chiefs could have been even more further ahead because they had drops all over the place in that first quarter but then
1: just really tightened things up later on yeah there were it's, it's an interesting matchup and they're completely different teams and I don't know I just I guess we'll get into it next but no, I think we can the, do it
0: now. We can just smoothly segue right into that now, I think, because we've already okay. started talking
1: about it, I think. <laughs> yeah, so Chiefs-Titans. The big thing for me for the Chiefs is this needs to be game that the game that Tyron Ty- 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 Matthew shows what he can do for this team. And he's done a lot already, and they ask him to do a lot. But if he can stop those eight-yard gains going for 15... From from um Henry, if him and Sorensen can can at least chug like get in the way a little bit, maybe get the ball back a couple more times. I think the Chiefs win because the Chiefs are too strong in in terms of their firepower. Mm-hmm. If they can't stop, you know Derrick Henry going for fifteen on a third and seven. Then or a second and seven and they can't get off the field then it's going to be a very long day for them, but I would back I would back Matthew more in in that kind of job than I maybe would Earl Thomas I think Earl Thomas is a bit more there's a bit more finesse about Earl Thomas he wants to to do everything a certain way and kind of ran over him whereas I think Matthew's maybe got a bit more grit might be able to hang on a bit longer and and maybe. Maybe get the Chiefs a few possessions back. Because that's what the Chiefs are going to have to do to the Titans. They're going to have to steal possessions. They're going to have to stop them from seeing eight minutes of the clock out. And no one's yeah. been able to do it yet. So, Yeah, I think... Um, but like, as, I as think... As... Sorry, you go. I think Arrowhead and the Chiefs and Andrew Reid should be enough for them, but... It was like last week. It's like I don't know. I don't know what the Titans are going to do. I don't know who the Titans yeah. are. Yeah, that's, that's, that's I think the thing about learning who they are. But. That's the thing about playoff
0: football is that um, you think something's nailed on, and um, I know that um, Sam Monson from PFF, he was caught out twice in a row saying that he could say no way that the Vikings could uh, beat the Saints and then he's like oh well i could see absolutely no way that the titans beat the ravens and back to back um like it just did not work out that way Because playoff football is unpredictable uh, the titans are just finding ways to win and they they're just strong i think i've got a, a def, certainly a, a newfound respect for for the titans and the way that they're running that team now i think mike Rabel's done a fantastic job um, he's he's doing like finding all these little nuances in the game and uh, like coaching some some serious determination and uh, also just being smart. Like the things that he was doing to the to the Patriots to to milk the clock was fantastic. I love seeing that. Um, but then on the other side of things, like the Chiefs and Andy Reid, they are just built as like a, a supercar. So whereas the Titans are more of that, you know, smash mouth um, giant Humvee sort of thing the The Chiefs are more like the Lamborghini that is just going to go from not to sixty in like two seconds, um, and I don't know. It just depends on which team manages to impose their will in this one. I, I I'd still have to say the Chiefs purely based on just how incredible that passing attack is and that their defense is vastly improved from last season. Um I like, don't look too much into the, the statistics and the grades from the year because there were certain times where Mahomes was banged up. Um but uh, yeah, I'm I'm really, really looking forward to this. This is like well, it certainly goes without saying since New England is not in it, but like probably the most anticipated AFC title matchup I've had since the Broncos were in it.
1: Oh high praise, high praise. Um, one thing I love, I love seeing Terrell Suggs get another bite at playoff football and um, make actually make a difference. He he seemed to be quite a leader in that defense for the Chiefs, and um, he's probably happy now that the the Ravens never called. <laughs> yeah, he could have gone back AFC Championship game. Yeah, he did pretty well over that. I wonder though if the Ravens had won that game, if he would have played or not. <laughs> I was just saying, I'm only gonna play for the Ravens and suddenly it's the AFC championship game and he's lined up against them. But that's alright, yeah. The the Chiefs for me, I think if we're gonna go with a prediction I I still think the Chiefs will see it out, but um it might be a lot tighter through like three quarters. And mm-hmm. the problem is what would the Titans do if someone gets ahead of them? So what if the Chiefs do what the Texans did to them? I don't see the Titans come back. But the, but the
0: thing is, like people are forgetting so, that before this whole incredible run by Derek Henry, uh, they were still one of the most effective passing offences in the league, uh, with A.J. Brown uh, really emerging, Johnny Smith coming out of nowhere to like, be, be put up there as one of the better tight ends in the league. Um, they've They've just been really making stuff happen. And they were also having contributors from... Uh, from just a whole bunch of other places, including uh, Khalif Raymond, who caught that forty-five-yard bomb from from Tannehill, is um, you know they, they've got weapons there. So, I I can't completely count them out in this one, but I would still, if if a gun was put to my head, I'd have to say that I do believe that the Chiefs will win this one.
1: Yeah, um, one thing that's quite quite nice as I was being pointed out is that this is an opportunity for Mariota to maybe have a. Kind of a, a goodbye week in um, Tennessee because they're going to be showing highlights of his playoff win <laughs> against the Chiefs. His um, his beautiful immaculate reception that he um took into the end zone that we watched together. Yeah, yeah. Um, when he pinged it off the boy's helmet and caught it for a touchdown.
0: It'll probably be his best um, career highlight,
1: I would say. Oh no! It depends what he does next, but mm. the um. It's probably the end of an era for the the Titans and in in some ways, and the start of a new one. All in one game, so I'm mm-hmm. um, I'm looking forward to. It. I think the the narrative behind it is just great. You know, you got Frabels, the up and comer, making the jokes, and you got Andy Reid, who's a bit a bit world weary, been there a few <laughs> times, been burnt. Yeah,
0: Andy um, Reid. I think the, the most and- winningest coach without a Super Bowl win in NFL history. And um, I, I'd be hard-pressed to say that he doesn't deserve one this year, to be honest.
1: Yeah, you know, forgetting as well that Mahomes, you know, they, they went 2-2 two and two while Mahomes was out. So they've been able to keep it together. They've done a great coaching job. Yeah, I would say so. And they're in the AFC Championship game.
0: Absolutely. And uh, so like you've got Mike Vrabel being the, the new guard there, Andy Reid being the old guard. And you've got two of the new guard uh, in the NFC Championship game uh, with uh, Matt LaFleur of the Green Bay Packers and Kyle Shanahan of the San Francisco 49ers. And um, I, I, like to me, this one is doesn't a lot more nailed on because like, I know that you're high, higher on the Packers than I am. Um, I still see the, the, the I, don't 49ers, know if I am especially be at home.
1: Sorry. I don't know if I am I don't think I am for this game, by the way. No, <laughs> no you'll,
0: you'll, your you do, do you love yourself some Jimmy G in that course. running game and stuff. I can I can obviously be with you in that. And um I think that, that uh that San Francisco defense is back hitting it straight again, they're fully healthy, you've got D4 back from injury. Uh, there was a little bit of a scare for Nick Bosa in that last game where he was down on the ground for for a good minute and a half or something like that, and things were looking a little bit sketchy. And he just kind of starts shaking a bit, and then he gets up and just starts dancing his way down the sideline, kind of, kind of like a like some sort of wrestler pounding his hand on the on the mat, the canvas, and getting himself back up and running around again. Just got the whole stadium absolutely riled, and uh, it's just it's just uh, it was just really really fun to see. He's a full blown entertainer, and um, I can't wait to see I, him I wreak still, havoc like, on I'm this packed I'm still a backfield.
1: bit dirty about his. I'm still a bit dirty about his hit on Riley Reef. I think it was totally intentional and a bit really, really dirty. So, mm. if he can kind of knock some of that out of his game, then then um, I'll appreciate the entertainment a mm. little bit more. But um, <laughs> do you not think it was maybe just say, a
0: legitimate like attempt at a block? Because no, it's really hard, no, especially when things so are going at full speed. Nah, no, okay. Well, he's um, not
1: meant to block at all. It's against mm-hmm. the rules to block there, so he shouldn't even be like half blocking or pretending to block or whatever may be the excuse. But to me, it was a targeted hit with a shoulder and helmet to a guy who's looking completely the other way. And it probably changed the Vikings' running attack, not having their starting right tackle out there. But you know, it's not going to affect the game. The I think by that point, cheap, it was already done. Yeah, well, it was in the first half, so mm-hmm. yeah, but they hadn't established anything in the game so no that's fine i just after you know i said it with miles garrett before the incident that i don't like that you know
0: no absolutely don't do it
1: you know if you don't land on people when you don't need to don't throw your shoulder into people that aren't looking at you you know it's like it's just the, the kind of ethics of the game now i saw um for the first time that's why it's kind of front of mind is the the Cardinals all or nothing documentary from the season after Carson Parma got injured and it showed the um, his first injury that knocked him out of the league for a few years oh is that was the, like the one where Kimo von Ohoffen goes over his leg yeah on purpose it's clearly on purpose mm, the I don't gone. think it's he's on like purpose that's harsh oh that's such a Ah oh, imagine losing a couple of years to that. He's like already thrown the ball it's in the playoffs and some guy just rolls over him. Yeah. Ah oh, but yeah I there's we've actually seen a lot less than that. I don't know if there's been rules that have been put in, but I remember when I first started watching a few years ago that every offensive lineman got rolled up on every Mm-mm. game. You know, you'd lose like two or three of them a game. And it doesn't seem to happen quite as much now. I think there will um, be certain things and players rolling over each other.
0: Yeah, there there, there may well be certain types of uh, rules that are introduced to try and limit that number of things from happening. Uh, obviously, it's not completely eliminated from the game, but um, there there are a lot of subtle changes to the rules and the, uh, the types of uniform that players have on, which just somehow manage to affect these things, and it's very smart. Um,
1: but Yeah, it's the, yeah. the no chop blocking now as well, so you can't mm. dive to the floor to make attack on a running back, which means there's less bodies on the floor when the offensive linemen are being driven back. And mm-hmm. I guess it makes a difference. But that was just something that popped out to me because that was a horrible way to end a playoff game, and I can see why the Bengals fans are so sad sometimes because yeah, <laughs> the number one draft pick <laughs> getting knocked out by the Steelers.
0: That was a shame. and They, they were right. anyway, quite high-flying from time to yeah. time. But anyway, so we both think that the 49ers should be winning this game, right? But if the Packers are going to do anything to win this game, what what is the key to it? What do they need to do to beat San Francisco? Uh,
1: they need to throw the ball to Devontae Adams 20 times. I see, okay. And they need, <laughs> <laughs> and they need to run. They need to get Aaron Jones going. Um, and they just kind of, I think the the main thing is they just have to hope that their defense has one of its more balanced days. Their defense is very Jekyll and Hyde. And they need to be, you know, uh, I was actually like, when if when you think about that phrase for NFL, do you want to be Jekyll or do you want to be Hyde? <laughs> <laughs> I think you'd want to be more Hyde. Um, I just, they need to. Cut out the mistakes and and stop the run and force Garoppolo to to throw it. I think doing what um the Titans did to the Ravens might work. Where you know you're forcing everyone outside, so you know you play the the wide receivers out. You played the running back out. So everything's outside the numbers, mm-hmm. and you're forcing Garoppolo to make like these tight throws outside the numbers. You know, for like five, ten yards, rather than going all the way down the field. But I I can't see it. The Packers have been terrible in California Mm. this year, and and they they were terrible just a few weeks ago when they lost to San Francisco. Yeah. This is the probably the biggest gap I think you could really have between a one and two seed. I think.
0: Even though they're both thirteen and And, three, how
1: important we agree? Yeah. Yeah. The the um. The home field advantage is so strong in this one for both teams. You know, if the Forty ers had to go mm-hmm. to Lambo, like, oh. and but they don't, they they get the, they get the the win because that's one thing that gets me about the NFL sometimes is that yeah the Forty ers got the, uh, you know the win to give them home field against the Packers. they have beaten the Packers this year, but they beat them at home. Yeah, so they've kind of had home field advantage twice now. Yeah, so it's not like the Packers have had an opportunity to be, to level it. It's like you know,
0: no, like it, had had this been in Lambo, it would have been the, a completely the different Saints game.
1: that were thirteen and three. You know, how would they have done it? You know, so it's yeah. a bit of bad luck for the Packers, and it's going to take some Rogers magic to win this one. But I can't see it. I think this yeah. is a. I- Quite a one-sided game in the end.
0: I would say in order for Green Bay to do anything about it, they need to force some turnovers. So they need to exploit Jimmy G's inability to see linebackers. So I'd just say just try and take away the outside and um, force him to throw across the middle because that's where he seems to occasionally forget that there's people. And um, and just see if someone like Blake Martinez can come up and make some sort of pick. Um, just You're going to have to get the the Smith brothers, Zadarius and Preston, just to get right in his face and make him make him panic a little bit. Um, but, like I said, with with San Francisco's offensive linemen uh, returning to full health as well, um, it's just really looking like they're getting healthy at the right time and they are capable of running all over teams and just throwing when they need to. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I tend to agree, maybe... I. I think Garoppolo will struggle if you make him throw in this game. I just think the Packers are quite strong um, at D back, and you really, you really, you really have to put the ball in Garoppolo's hands. You you just no matter what you do, he has to be throwing it. You know, thirty odd times. You can't be letting them run off. You know, mm-hmm. um, as many running plays as they normally do, and you know it's it's. It's a funny one because isn't Matt Lafleur's brother the like offensive coordinator or like the quarterbacks coach or something of the Forty Niners?
0: Uh, I think there is some something there, yeah, <laughs> something along those lines.
1: Because they're all from the Redskins, aren't they?
0: Yeah, they they were all from That's... that really strangely, incredibly young coaching staff from uh, from a few years back that Mike Shanahan uh, had. Yeah, yeah. absolutely the, the the Shanahan coaching tree uh has has many many branches and um they they all managed to Well I think
1: in, in one room they. in one room they had um the LaFle LaFleur brothers, Kyle Shanahan, um Sean McVeigh, yeah, Sean McVeigh was there, Graham's yeah. McVeigh, yeah. yep. Yeah. Um and the head coach of the Bengals was also one of McVeigh's assistants, so mm hmm and, and the Redskins have had to go back to get someone like Ron Rivera because they don't yeah, they have need to the shit in their organisation. It's kind of ironic.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's really, really strange uh, to see the way that the Redskins are, have, have panned out since uh, since that time of RG3. But uh, that is a massive digression, and uh, we really really need to wrap things up now because i got to get some stuff done uh, before I get packed to head up to Auckland. So before we do that, Darren, um, let's... Pick some approximate score lines in on these ones, shall we? Okay, all right then. So, uh, um, Green Bay Packers and San Francisco 49ers, give us a score line.
1: I'm gonna
0: go 49ers 27, Packers 24. Okay, I'm gonna go uh, 49ers 28, Packers 17, and for Tennessee versus the Chiefs. I'm going to go KC 35, Tennessee 28.
1: I don't know. It can, It. can. This is the kind of game that could literally be the Chiefs 50, the Titans 17, or it could be the Titans 20, the Chiefs 10, <laughs> depending on how long the Titans hold the ball for. I'll go for an in-between and say... Yeah, probably the Chiefs, 35, Titans, 17. Okay. I think the Chiefs... This is the kind of thing, if the Titans... this The Titans are the kind of team that you take the ball first. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to put them in a hole. Like Usually you defer, but I think in this game you want the ball. <laughs> Do you, you, want you want to be to... putting
0: Casey in a hole, though? That's put the thing. Seven... We just
1: saw what happens there. Yeah, I know. Well, the only way that... I think you can really stop Henry's to game plan it and be 14 points up. <laughs> so I think that's the Chiefs of the Chiefs get 14 points up. Yeah, I can see it being 35, 17. If they keep it tight, then it's going to go right down to the wire. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens
0: in uh, the championship games on Monday night. Sorry, Monday day uh, in New Zealand and Sunday night over there. I'm pretty sure it is. Um. So, yeah. Um, if if that'll do us for just now I guess we'll hear from you later on then yeah yeah of course alright then mate Uh, in that case let's get out of here Uh, I've been Joe Bothwell he's been Darren Butter
1: goodbye guys see ya bye